Hi, everyone. Welcome to Notes to My Legal Self, a place where we explore ways in-house lawyers can be happy, productive, and contribute to their communities um, around them. I'm Olga Mack, I'm CEO of Parler Pro, and I'm your host. Today, I have a great guest who will in a second introduce himself. He um, has been a house lawyer, has done some wonderful, interesting things, and had adventures in-house that are really exciting and we can learn from. If you have any recommendations of who else we can have conversations with, specifically, we've been focusing on things like how to advance your career, um, how to have substantive knowledge, and how to be happy as an in-house lawyer. If you think of anyone who can contribute to this conversation, so definitely let me know if we should have another guest. Today's guest has been recommended by you, um, just like every other guest we have. So definitely recommend folks, and it's absolutely fine to recommend yourself. With that in mind, uh, Kevin, welcome to the show. Please introduce yourself. Hi, uh, my name is Kevin Keller. Um, I know Olga through LinkedIn, and uh, and as she says, she is very responsive. I connected someone to her about five years ago when she was really actively looking to place um, women in boards, and I connected uh, people I know to her, and she's very super responsive. Um, I'm an attorney. I've been an attorney for about uh, twenty. I think now it's twenty three years. Um, and uh, before that. Uh, no one in my family had gone to law school, let alone uh, undergrad. And so I'm one of those first gen um, attorneys who had to kind of find a path through law school and through the job hunt and everything. And, and mine from the outside, I think, looks like a very traditional path and looks like this sort of standard you know, law firm, you know, Fang sort of model. But, um, but along the way, there have been some things that I've done that uh, we're taking risks and going a little off of the set path. And I've seen a lot of other people through mentoring uh, do that. And so a lot of the conversation I think um, Olga wanted to have today is, is about that, about the things that you can do. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love talking to lawyers who done various things. So tell us maybe, you know, where you are today and how did you get there? Sure. Uh, today, I am the GC of a small startup called QCWare, quantum computing software. But today is my last day. Uh, this is a news for everyone out there. Uh, very short stint. Um, the company is not really quite in need of a general counsel at the moment. So those of you who are like the younger Kevin Keller the or Kevina, we're looking for anyone um, who would like to come and be the first person on the ground in a small startup that, that kind of really needs the blocking and tackling the transactional work and all that. Um, I love the company. I would invest in the company, um, but I'm leaving. I'm going to be a GC at another company in a couple of weeks. Uh, it's called Snap Commerce. And so uh, that's where I am right now. But in two weeks, I'll be somewhere else. <laughs> awesome. And how did you how did you get to be a GC of early stage growth companies? Like, What was the past? Yeah, I, I think a lot of people, especially if they're bigger companies, tend to then target other big companies to kind of move up the ladder from, uh, you know, senior corporate counsel to associate general counsel to deputy general counsel in another big company. And then they go to 
try to become a general counsel at another big company. I've always wanted to work with startups from the very beginning. I think in law school, I almost didn't you know, graduate. I almost, I tried to add on one more year to law school to get an MBA. And my wife said, Nope, that's enough. You've been in school long enough. You need to go out. But midway through law school, I sort of had had this realization of what I really, really wanted to do is work with startups. And I've been lucky that through the law firm path that I took, I was able to do that. And so that sort of scratched the itch. But all along, I kind of wanted to have that goal of like being a general counsel at a smaller startup where I could wear multiple hats and do lots of different parts of the job. And so that's that's how I ended up here. Okay. Okay. So you, you did start at a law firm. Yeah. Um, what were you doing and, and, and how was it? Yeah, I started at uh, one of the ones that you worked at, Wilson Sincini. Um, I actually started, I, I dodged a little bit of a, a, a ball there. I started in the summer at Brobeck um, when I was in New York. I went to NYU for law school, did a summer at Brobeck, and I did a combination of MA and corporate work and technology transactions and litigation. And I liked the corporate side of things. I liked the technology transactions. And when I interviewed at Wilson Sassini, I interviewed with those two different groups, corporate securities with David Drummond, who became the first general counsel of Google. Um, and with Ken Clark, who is the head of the technology transactions practice. And Ken and team convinced me that I should really join technology transactions and really get into the weeds of how companies are run. And, and you know, that's really kind of what you do there. So I spent um, three years as a technology transactions attorney at Wilson Sassini. Then I went in-house for a very short stint to a semiconductor company, Micron, from Boise, Idaho, which is close to where I grew up. It was uh, a small market and um, we had young kids. And so we actually decided that Silicon Valley was the place we wanted to be. We moved back and I did another two years at Wilson. So a total of about five years in technology transactions at Wilson Sassini. Okay, so you actually were at a law firm, went in house, and went back to yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know, yeah, I know. People like that's the that's that's the way people look at it. I mean, it's a, it's the boomerang back. Like you know, you reinserted yourself in the matrix. Is essentially how some people feel about it. But um, you think about the timing. For me, it was um, I left in the height of the dot com boom or bust. Um, where people weren't hiring and where law firms certainly were just still letting people go. And when I came back, um, the job market was still really soft. And I reached out to Wilson because I was looking at coming back to the Valley and talking to lots of other people, but things were really slow. And Wilson's like, no, no, hey, we've got a spot for you. And so um, I think that's really a lesson in not burning bridges and, um, you know, and having a good reputation for working. Because when I came back, I was doing something completely different than when I left. I, I got hired back to do biotech work and my background is not in biotech. So... Oh, very interesting. I know quite a few people who actually done that at Wilson Sansini in technology transaction group, which probably speaks very highly of the group because I think that's a very enlightened approach. Um, we actually don't see a lot of folks going back. And I do think that that's actually a little bit of a leaky bucket problem in the system or a lot of leaky bucket of the system because, you know, there is this sort of incorrect perception that once in the house, you know, you either stop learning or you, you you only have one client and you have nothing to contribute to a law firm. And I would actually challenge that because I think I'm a much better lawyer actually going in the house and uh, probably um, even better qualified to, to be on the partnership track. 
Absolutely. Absolutely agree. In fact, a lot of, you know, I have considered since then, you know, partnership tracks at, at other law firms as I was, you know, leaving Amazon a couple of years ago, you know, that was one of the options was to go to a law firm. And I put together a business plan and looked at all the different contacts I had, the different people I knew within the industry, the different things I'd done over the course of my time at Amazon and put together what I thought was a really reasonable business plan. And, um, and it was a viable option. I think that what stopped me was when I, when I was through the last stages of it and talking to the hiring partner, he, you know, he, he said that the one thing that's great about being at a law firm for a senior attorney, especially one who likes to mentor people. And I love to do that. I like to, to help develop people and help, you know, teach and, and work with them and see them become better. Um, that's great. But at the same time, and now a lot of times, unless you have a very special niche and get asked those very sophisticated strategic questions, a lot of times law firms are doing some of the offloaded work from, from more sophisticated companies like an Amazon. And so uh, rather than have your attorney in-house who's very close to the business do 100 sales agreements, you have that done by outside counsel and you have that one attorney in-house who really understands the business working on the very sophisticated, very strategic deal for the company. And so that strategic work is not as plentiful maybe at some firms. And so that was the the thing that that sort of steered me away from that as an option, but it still is an option, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. So, um, left law firm, went in-house, left back to law firm. What happened after? Yeah. Um, then I got a call from a recruiter and here's another, I think, lesson to anybody out there. Um, always be nice to recruiters. Um, they call you a lot when you're at a law firm. And I think as a junior attorney, you can be like, I'm busy. I don't want to take this call. And you don't have to take all the calls, but, but don't be rude. Be, be kind and be thoughtful. They are um, really trying to help you know, matchmake. And they really are trying to find great roles for people that they fit with. And you know, sometimes that role is not for you and you can pass it on to someone else. And so I always pass on roles that I heard about. I always picked up the phone, said, you know, Hey, I'm not looking right now, but tell me about it and tried to find someone to connect them with. And so the time came, they gave me a call and said, Hey, we want someone to work on the Xbox Silicon and some other things for Microsoft. Um, I was a little skittish about Microsoft. Um, they were just coming off of the antitrust trials and they were the big bad in the tech world at the time. Um, but the Xbox and some of the things that I got to work on there were just too tempting. And so I ended up there for a couple of years. Really cool. And, uh, what happened after that? Yeah. So that's where I think, you know, if you look at, you know, my resume, look at my past, say, well, he's just worked at these big, you know, fang type companies, but that's when Amazon came calling and they had the small R and D wing in Silicon Valley, about 60 people. Lab 126 is what they called it. Um, and they asked me to interview for the solo spot there. And it was Amazon's first hire in the US outside of Seattle. Um, they had some attorneys, you know, elsewhere in the world, but this is the first US hire outside of Seattle. So with this small group, they were doing the Kindle. And um, and I think you have to remember that at that point the Kindle had just been launched. It barely been selling. It was four hundred and some odd dollars, and then you had to buy books on top of it. So it had gotten like really panned in the in the press. Um, it wasn't clear that like Amazon was going to be doing it for very long. And Amazon as a company was a lot smaller. Um, it was a tech company, but it was just e-commerce at least from the outside. That's what people thought. And so for me, going from a Microsoft where I had a great salary and 
you know, a product that was selling tens of millions of things to doing this really did feel like that chance for me to go to a startup and to be the first in-house attorney. So that's, um, that's where I went and spent about 11 and a half years. <laughs> I just love you do things that you're not supposed to do. Uh, <laughs> you went back to law firm. You went to, uh, you took a chance on the small company called Amazon uh, <laughs> in terms of uh, like the, the new product. Um, you know, it's 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 really interesting because um, you know I'm you know I've had I've, I've shared roots with you. I'm Wilson Santini. I was in the litigation side. Uh, I have a lot of friends from TTG groups, and, and many folks went back and had interesting careers. Um, I find it really fascinating because as you go through your career, there's all this you know people who tell you what you're supposed to do because after all, you know somebody once explained to me it's a thousand year old past and you're supposed to follow it. And when you don't, you get this, well, that's that's not what you're supposed to do. You go left or right, you there are lions out there, you may not survive. And look at us now having conversations. Um, yeah. <laughs> what do you do with advice? You know, when people tell you go the a thousand year past, do not go left or right. Uh, there are lions out there. I think um it's it's worth it's worth hearing the perspective. I, I do think that there is an easy path that, you know, if you have gone to gotten yourself into a top law school and you've gotten top grades and you've, you know, I mean, I wouldn't say, okay, saying it's the easy path, um, you know, getting that job in big law, um, those company, those firms that, you know, you're working as a consultant and your hours are consultant hours um, and you're working 60, 70, 80 hours a week or more. Um, that is not an easy path. But it is highly lucrative and you learn a lot really fast. And then you, you've kind of amassed this experience that then you can leverage later on. So it's not an easy path, but it is a sort of tried and true. And in that sense, it's the safer sometimes path than, um, than I don't know what I'm going to be doing uh, that some people, some people take. And I had a few um, folks from my law school, just right out of law school um, or shortly after law school, veered off of that, that big law firm path. One within law schools named Charlie Corwin. Um, if you searched him now, um, you wouldn't even know that he'd gone to law school, except for it's way down in his Wikipedia profile. But Charlie you know, saw a gap between the streaming rights that had been granted at the time and and uh, what he could get. And he started his own media company right in law school, right out of law school, didn't ever go into the big law, though he had all the credentials and all this. And now he's an executive producer. I forget what company, but he's he's pretty, pretty significant in Hollywood. Um, Another friend, you know, uh, spent a couple years on the big law path, but then started a biotech company of his own. Um, you know, so I've, I've got a, a bunch of different folks who I look to and I say, this person's been incredibly brave. This person has definitely jumped off that path. So, you know, I think knowing a few of those or reaching out to a few of those people who've, who've really kind of jumped off that, that path um, is very helpful to kind of add context to like, is this thing that I'm doing really a big risk? Is it really, you know, you know, there, there could be better, even better outcomes jumping off that path. Yeah. I find it very helpful to ask two questions. One is, you know, the source of the advice, do I want to be them? Because when people give you the advice, they usually kind of assume that you want to be them. That's, that's, that's a fair assumption because you just ask them for an advice. 
but you need to be clear that, that that's actually true for you. And I find when I ask that question, I gain quite a lot of clarity. And the other question I find it very helpful to ask, what was sort of the timing of it, you know? Because what I found there's a lot of people who are 10, 20, 30 years ahead of me who made various right decisions at their time, you know, they were looking at a, in a very different technology landscape and a very different uh, social landscape. Um, right. And so even if I wanted to be them, I sort of didn't feel that the, the traditional path would be an easy path. I actually felt like it would be a very competitive path where people who have 20, 30 years on me. <laughs> right. <laughs> You know, so I, I think when you ask those questions, do you want to be you? And are we dealing with the same timing thing? I think it will give you a perspective to consider whether or not there are ways to get into the result, back into the result, better ways, given what, who you are and where you're going. So I find that that to be very helpful. But also to your point, you know, seeing examples of people doing it differently really helps. And, you know, it's interesting you just referenced Wikipedia. You can learn a lot about what people have done just by reading about Googling them. You know, you don't even have to ask them. You learn quite a lot. And then, of course, you can ask and, yeah. and, and, and hope that they're generous and have time to mentor you and help, right? People are more generous than I think a lot of people expect. I, I will, you know, somebody reaches out to me on LinkedIn with a question. I will more than happily answer. I, I probably do one or two coffees a week with people who have questions about career, want to pick my brain about choices that they have. And, and um, you know, I didn't have that. I didn't, LinkedIn didn't exist, you know, when I got out of law school. Had it, I would have probably tried to use it, but I might've been a little too shy about it. I might not have actually used it. And I try to encourage people go ahead because uh, there are a lot of us out there who are, are more than happy to help that have been on the path first time ourselves and um, know how hard that was to kind of understand all the different options you might have. And, and some of them we might not have even realized we had. And so we're more than happy to answer questions and help people and point them to our own resources where we can. Yeah, I mean, one of the reasons to sort of highlight different paths is actually it normalizes experience of, of not following the past. It, I found it very interesting where you said if you went to top, you know, 10, 20 law schools, the thing, you know, like I did. But I think even for even if you did, I think you, you should still manage your career actively as opposed to be on the autopilot. Just because you went to the top 10, 20, 30 law schools, doesn't mean that you know it, it. It actually easier to get to where you were. So I, I, you know, don't 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 be asleep behind the wheel, independent of where you went to law school. Nor nor do I think it should determine uh, how you how actively you manage your career path. Um, I, yeah, I think know. that's something the law firms don't or law schools don't talk about a lot, though. So they have that path. So the only thing you'll see as a law student, if you don't have other examples outside of your family or outside of friends or whatever, you know, is you're going to see the path that the law school sets or, or has. You go the litigation path, you go the public interest path, you can go the corporate law path. Here's our on campus interview process. And unless you reach out or you think, Hey, there's somebody out here with a great career that went to law school. And I'm really curious about how they got there and you do some of that. You're not going to see that there are all these you know, different options. I think it's also, there's a timing issue too. 
Um, for those of us who went through the dot-com explosion and then subsequent uh, dot-com bust, there were a lot of ideas during that time that were really great, but they just weren't ready. Things were not, the, the, the country wasn't ready. The internet for, uh, uh, in the homes wasn't ready um, for things like the Instacart. You had Webvan back then. It just wasn't ready for that. Um, and now we have Instacart uh, where, you know, now legal operations is really and an, and putting that up in the cloud is a really a big thing. 20 years ago, that would just wouldn't have worked, you know? And so um, there are new opportunities all the time that pop up. And so if you're in law school, if you're just starting your career, um, look to some of those and, and feel free to, you know, at, reach out to people. I know Alex and Sue and lots of other people are, are out there very visibly talking about their path. But if you find someone else who looks like they've got an interesting career trajectory, reach out and ask it, it you know, the worst thing they can say is no. I think the timing is, is is actually important. That's why consider the source and consider the timing. There's off, you don't you don't have to. What worked in 1800s may not work in 2022. <laughs> that, right. that, that's just sort of the reality of it. Um, and I do find it that the legal community is very helpful and supportive. Um, you, you know, like folks don't have to be visible to be helpful and supportive. We go to law school because we like to give advice and help and share. Uh, there is a very active legal community out there. I find, uh, you know, cold asking people is actually just quite satisfying. People you never heard of. Um, and they, they're happy, happy, happy to share. What I also find interesting in this conversation that you number of times referred to folks who are not practicing law, um, you know, who maybe took advantage of some of the, the specialized knowledge they have, for example, managing copyrights things and become sort of a, somebody in Hollywood. Um, and maybe not even. Um, and so that's, that sort of brings an interesting um, wrinkle here. You know, that kind of happened to me. I was a very happy lawyer, very happy in-house lawyer, had no intention of living, you know, the business of telling you what to do for a living. Uh, and I found myself on the sort of on the business side of law first and then actually kind of leading a company. Um, not at all. And not because I was unhappy practicing law, not because I planned to do it. It just sort of happened because the timing was right and opportunity was great. And I felt like I could learn and grow. And now I love it. Um, if you weren't a lawyer, what would you be? You know, how are you looking at this flexibility of what you can do with your law degree? Yeah, I, I, um, when I was in undergrad and I've written a little bit about this, I've got a few posts that I have out there. Um, I've been kind of going through my career and finding different, uh, different projects I worked on and kind of extracting the learnings from that. And one of them, I talk a little bit about this, but I have some friends in undergrad. We've just really had this fantastic time thinking through tech ideas. Um, it was part of our senior project, but we just like had a, this great time. And we've since a couple uh, summers spent some motorcycle trips together um, and reconnected. And, and I think if I, you know, had the knowledge that I had today back then, I don't know if I would have gone to law school. I think I would have tried to, you know, with these guys, start a company. And I think that the, probably the way that we would have fell out is me as CEO and, you know, the other as the CTO and the other is the CMO. Um, and those are the personalities, um, you know. And so I think if I had, uh, you know, uh, if I had a, a good technical founder and an idea and everything, I think I would love to, you know, start something and, and, um, and, and run it from the business side. I think um, and it's probably especially true of attorneys who spend a lot of time on the commercial deals or whatever is that over a long course of time, I've done a lot of, you know, BD, a lot of marketing, a lot of, 
every type of deal that you need to run a company and a lot of the um, negotiations and all that. So you get a pretty good business education along the way and um, a good sense for um, good combinations and all of this. And, and I think, um, and you get a little bit jealous of the um, business professionals who, um, who do that, those jobs. So I think that's probably where I'd, where I'd land if I, if I, uh, uh, were, were doing anything else. I do like being an attorney. I do like providing legal advice. Um, and I do like thinking of kind of the cutting edge issues, like new issues and how they apply to a company in different ways. And that's kind of where I've spent a lot of my time. And even within Amazon, if you look back to kind of the, the fang and the idea uh, that they're all kind of monolithic, um, Within Amazon, I always was the person doing these smaller kind of nascent startup projects within the big company, whether it was Amazon Go or the robot or Kindle. It was always me kind of working on those kind of projects as opposed to the bigger e-commerce or, or AWS pieces. Really cool. And thank you for sharing that. And we have a couple more questions before I say goodbye. I, I do like the point where you know you don't have to be unhappy about the practice of law to do something else, and you may come back or not. Um, I think, you know, there is this, you know, people, the number one question people ask me, you know, they tell me that I'm a recovering lawyer, and then they're like looking for a traumatic story. There is no <laughs> traumatic story. I was a happy in-house lawyer. I really love being the general counsel and, you know, telling people what to do for a living. Uh, it was quite amazing. There is nothing to, 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 to not like for me. Uh, it is that you can still love law and love giving legal advice, and enjoy other things, um, and 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 those are not mutually exclusive. You don't have to recover. Law is not a disease. <laughs> it is not a bad habit. It's certainly not an addiction. So you know, there is you don't have to be in a you know. You may may not like it, but it, it doesn't. You know, you don't have to leave just because you don't like it. There are many other reasons to 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 leave. For example, learning, impact, um, trying new things. That's just kind of what humans do to to reach their um, potential um if what is i guess a couple of more questions before we end what is sort of the best career advice you've been given um that you think others could benefit from yeah i think the best career advice i've been given um along the way has been to um to consider to, to I, I think it's it's what i've actually said which is you know to 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 leverage the people around you, leverage your friends um, in making kind of tough decisions about where to go. For me, um, I, my friend, Jamie King, you know, she has this theory of, of uh, a board. She has her own board and it's the you know, people in her life that are close, that are good advisors that when she has a tough question, she bounces it off them and sh she knows that they'll, objectively look at her and the, the the idea and give her some really great advice um, and maybe help her step back from the problem and the, the issue herself. And so I think that's for me, um, you don't have to make decisions completely by yourself. Um, that doesn't mean you cede the decision-making to somebody else, but you can have yourself a board of people who know you and know what you like and know what you're great at and can help you when you're trying to make tough decisions or help you chart a path career-wise. So um, don't go it alone. Um, use resources, ask people about careers, 
Um, you don't have to kind of just follow those three paths that the law school lays out for you um, or that you see in front of you. You can, you can use these resources to just kind of chart your own course. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's so true. Um, I guess, you know, you, you, you alluded a couple of times at some point you make decision, do I stay or do I go? <laughs> and that's, you know, and Look, I mean, if it's terrible and you're abused, that's an easy decision. Right. Right. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about sometimes you have to make decision. Do I stay or do I go? And I find it actually good to go through that exercise because then you either appreciate your job more or you look harder um, and you really are articulating to yourself why you're still there. What's your purpose? What's your mission? Are you on path? Um, yeah. You know, so I find it really useful to go through that exercise just I, to get. Yeah. But like, yeah. at what point do you leave? Like, what is important to you to make that decision? Do I stay or do I go? Yeah, I mean, you look at the one stint that I had was super long. I mean, it, for anyone, whether you know, even if even objectively for other other careers, like eleven and a half years at Amazon was a long time, and it's a tough. It's, it's a it's a pretty intense place to be. Um, but I got to work, you know, time after time. I got to do different projects that were sort of pushing me in in new areas and scratch that sort of startup itch, if you will. And I I kind of reached the end of that where the way that they were structuring was such that some of those projects weren't going to necessarily pop up in the Bay Area anymore. Um, and so I had asked myself, look, am I happy just sort of here? I mean, I like the company. I like what I was doing. I could have been happy for a long time, but it really is it like going to be the things that sort of scratch the itch for me that, that are that startup thing that I really love. And when I answered no, um, then I knew that that was probably time for me to find something different to stretch myself in different ways or find that startup thing. I think I hunted a little bit with the last two choices, last two big places I, I was, which is Facebook for a short period and Instacart for a short period. Um, but they weren't quite that startup y, you know, and that's kind of in the center of me, what I love doing. And so, um, so that's what I, I will be doing you know, going forward. <laughs> I like it. You know, that, that's the thing. When you actively keep asking, do I stay? Do I go? What choices do I have? Um, and then become flexible. I think it really kind of, you actually get to articulate what you love. You get yeah. a clear portrait of the love of your life. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it, you, you give up, I mean, like, you know, making a decision to go from one of these bigger companies to do something like this, you're foregoing, you know, uh, public company stock and RSUs, you know, you are probably taking a smaller salary. And so you are taking risk. Um, but in some ways, you know, do you take risk uh, and, and, feel happy inside about what you're doing or do you not take risk and just collect the paycheck? Um, but, but not always. I, I've right. gone to smaller companies that benefited from a skill I had and it made more. Uh, and then Right, right. The upside can be the upside in taking the risk. I mean, look, I went to Amazon when the stock was a $60, everyone would be like, holy crap, you know? Um, and I went, it was taking a risk. And so, 
um, that risk paid off in amazing ways in terms of overall compensation over all those years. Um, it was fantastic. So you never know. And I, you couldn't have known at the time because six months into being at Amazon, that was when the 2008 financial crisis hit and the stock was half. And, uh, <laughs> and we weren't selling very many Kindles at the time. So it did not feel safe. It did not, it felt like a big risk. And it, and it did pay off. So I completely agree with you. Sometimes that, that tangential thing that you do, that thing that looks like a risk actually ends up having a really good upside. Yeah, it's actually a safer path. In yeah. the end. Plus, there is no price to unhappiness that most people are willing to live with long term. So right. there, there's that. Kevin, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation, not only because we, you know, we're, we grew up in the same law firm all, <laughs> <laughs> but also because I like the way you sort of very actively looking at your in-house practice and managing it and asking yourself, do I stay, do I go? I think that's very enlightening. Um, for the listeners out there who enjoyed this conversation, what is the one thing that you want them to take away? That you take away nothing else. You know, uh, what is the one thing you want to make sure that they really think about? Yeah, I think to your point to just be actively thinking about where you are in your career and what you want. And, um, you know, it may be a long, maybe what you want may be, like you said, you know, 10 years out, you know, because the experience it would take to actually have that thing, but be thinking about that and thinking in about who does that thing. And, and um, the other thing I'd say is um, just ask, like, again, there are a lot of us out in the, the legal profession who are very happy to help. I more than happy to connect people um, look through my connections. If there's somebody I'm connected to that you want to get to know, um, reach out to me. I'm happy to connect people. And, and I think others are too. So you're not alone. Um, you can create that board of your own to help advise you and uh, chart a path that is your own. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, so good. Thank you so much, Kevin. I really appreciate this conversation. And thank you, listeners, for joining. Uh, you know, I just love that we should be the drivers of our lives and our careers. And sometimes that means we do more of it. And sometimes that means we do less of it. But the, the real thing is to ask, do I stay? Do I go? Am I happy or am I not? And in the process, you gain a very clear mental picture of what makes you happy today. And that may change over time. And, um, you know, yes, you could follow a path that may not be a safer thing in the world that is disrupted all the time, day after day. And there's sometimes easier ways. And there are a lot of examples that you can Google or ask um, how to back into the same definition of success that you may have. So actively do try that at home. Um, as a reminder, these conversations are with in-house professionals that nominated by you. So uh, if you think that we can benefit learning from somebody's experience, from their in-house practice, from their substantive adventures, from their community contributions, let me know. I would love to have them on the show so we can all learn from that person. And yes, yes, it's absolutely fine to nominate yourself. Thank you for stopping by. Bye, everyone.